So let me just summarize. Uh, you had a an issue with a competitor stealing your names. You had to rebrand. Then you had a business divorce. Then your house nearly got burnt down in the fires. Then you had COVID and you didn't trade for nine months. Wow. Uh, how'd you get through? You want to know? You just head down. Come up. Yeah. You, she's a toughie. Yeah. She, she's the rock really. Not too bad yourself. Yeah. But um <laughs> you know, it's it's just head down, bum up. I think look, I think that learning is a social thing. So there's been some interesting conversations along the way. Oh, does this mean conferences are gonna be kiboshed and are we superfluous as a face to face training organization because we can do it online now and it's like hell no. Yeah. We just had to survive the COVID period. Welcome to Getting to the Heart of Business, brought to you by The Online Co, where we believe the best way to help small and medium businesses grow is by putting people first. I'm James Parnwell, and today's episode features Sue Ann Pascoe and her husband, Michael Duncan, from Zedu. They're a company in Melbourne that delivers ultrasound training to the medical industry. My co-host is Jess Caluso. G'day, Jess. Hey, James. One of the things I love about the podcast is that we talk to so many different people from different industries and the common thread is that they've all had struggles. Yeah, yeah. Business isn't just uh, all unicorns and rainbows, is it? Yeah, well, I wish. <laughs> What's so encouraging is hearing how people have overcome. Yeah, yeah. We've had some good stories, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Um, you know, Karen from Courage on Kitchen, oh, yeah. back one of the early episodes, she dealt with droughts. There was the GFC in 2008. Um, then there was this copycat product from one of the biggest manufacturers in the world. Oh, no, talk about a challenge, right? Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, and what about Laura Turner? So she had a, a massive manufacturing disaster. So she ordered all these products and they were wrong when they'd arrived. Yeah, it all fell apart. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. And um, Justine from CamSmart, uh, she launched a new product and then COVID hit. In fact, there's been quite a number of COVID stories. COVID's a common thread. Uh, So in today's interview, you'll hear about the trials and tribulations Sue Ann and Michael have been through in an industry that you would expect to be a little more caring. They faced intense opposition from people telling them they shouldn't be in business. They've been through what Sue Ann calls a divorce with a former business partner. And most surprising of all, they've weathered some unfortunate tactics from their competitors. Sue Ann and Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, James. Thanks, James. Now, before we hear the story of your business, could you please explain to our listeners a little bit about what you do? So we essentially teach ultrasound to doctors and allied health professionals. If you were in a car accident and you end up in the emergency department, for example, uh, they would do a quick scan of your tummy in the emergency department to see if you had any signs of uh, intra-abdominal bleeding. Uh, it could be an obstetrician who does a scan in their office who's just checking to see is baby okay, is there a heartbeat. So it's lots of different focused ultrasound examinations that help guide the clinical management of patients. So they try to get a quick answer on well, what's going on and then what's my next step. Point of care ultrasound is like shining a torch in the corner to see if something's there, whereas formal ultrasound, where you go to the medical imaging department, it's like taking a photojournalistic essay. So is there free fluid in the tummy? Yes or no. Is the baby in the right spot? Yes or no. Those kind of yes or no binary questions is what point of care ultrasound's about. If we're asking more technical questions, then they need a formal examination in the imaging department. Okay. So you had a personal experience, Sue Ann, some years ago. I back. did. It's 12 years ago tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, well, <laughs> I went up to Sydney 
to go to a meeting. Got on the plane that morning. Interestingly enough, the night before, I had we had a new point of care system at home that we we're practicing with. And I had thought, had some sense that the pregnancy, that something wasn't right, you know, woman's intuition, whatever. And um, I scanned myself. The moral of the story is don't. Yeah. Um, but so I scanned myself and I thought, oh, geez, that looks a bit odd. You know, after I come back from Sydney, I need to go and get a formal scan done to see what's going on. And I kind of had a premonition about, am I going to have a miscarriage? So I packed some stuff in case. Anyway, I landed in Sydney, caught the train out to Crow's Nest, and I'm walking up the hill to the offices where the meeting was going to be held, and I just felt this literal pop, sudden pain in my belly. I just was like, holy heck, that's bad, what's going on? And you're just in the moment of, of oh my God, that pain is incredible. By the time I got to the offices of the meeting, I kind of went up and said, you know, is there a doctor nearby? Yeah, maybe get me an ambulance. Got carted out in the ambulance and, you know, I had the scan and I remember saying to the emergency doc, can I just have a look at the screen? Because I knew what she was doing. She was looking to see if there was free fluid in my tummy and I by now knew what was going on and could say to them, it's a right-sided ectopic pregnancy because I know now because I'd scanned myself. And, and she said to me when I asked her, can I look at the screen? She said to me, oh, you're not going to see your baby, dear. I said, I know. And she showed me the screen anyway, and I saw how much fluid was there, and I went, oh, swear words. <laughs> and then passed out and was the perfect patient. So I went from ambulance door to theatre in under 40 minutes. It was scary. Yeah. And, you know, the next morning, someone from our industry rang me to have an argument about, as a sonographer, you shouldn't be teaching these doctors point of care. And, and I could say to them... I've had a scan now and you're not going to win this argument with me. They need these skills. They really yeah. need these skills. Mike's had a heart condition that went haywire. <laughs> he had an ultrasound scan urgently. They need these skills. Yeah. They absolutely need these skills. There's, there's not enough sonographers. We're so short-staffed in the industry and someone still needs to do that scan to be able to make sure the patient gets the care that they need yeah. in a timely fashion. And there's nothing like personal experience to no. keep the fire in your belly. And, yeah, no doubt that's put a big why behind your business. You know, that's why you do what Absolutely. you do. And it gives you a lot of passion for it. Absolutely. So you were already started at this point? Yeah, so I originally was a sole trader um, tripping up and down the east coast of Australia teaching sonographers and our little girl was 18 months old and you know my my dad was unemployed so I was shipping him to wherever I was going to be so he could look after bub I'd go to work and then we'd come home for the weekend so the year that my daughter was conceived I think I was away 37 weeks of the year and as she was getting older Mike wasn't seeing his daughter and okay. so I was like I want to figure out how to make this be in Melbourne where people come to me. And I happened to bump into my um, former business partner at a conference and I'd approached her. We had this idea that we wanted to do training and I just happened to be, it's like one of those sliding doors moments. I was working at one of the local hospitals and an emergency doctor was trying to do his advanced qualification in ultrasound. And he'd been doing the political negotiations behind the scenes to get one day a week of training in the imaging department. 
So I started off with him that morning and at lunchtime the charge radiographer came in and said, I'm sorry, we have to cancel this. The funding's been withdrawn. And I've never seen someone go quite so red in anger as I did that day. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. I can't, can't get the training. I don't want to have to go into state all the time. And so the idea was born. And that's when we became aware that the doctors get an allowance for education to yeah. keep them current. And so we had this audience who got education allowance that could actually pay for us. So in all amongst that, hey, we want to start something, was this awareness that there was a desperate need and there was no one really doing what we were proposing to do, which was strictly just point of care. And it was a big jump in the deep end of the pool for us and um, big challenge, but, geez, it's been mm. fun. <laughs> it's been really fun. Okay, so you've found... A group of people that have a need, one particular guy who kind of nearly exploded with rage that he couldn't get it done, um, and, and then they're funded. Mm. So, so then you've found yourself a business partner and you've, you've launched. Yeah, and, you know, in hindsight, probably, probably could have just continued on doing what I was doing on my own. But I think the advantage of having had the partner was there was someone else sharing that ride. Yep. And it's been a bumpy ride because we were pariahs in our industry. You know? Right, you got backlash from the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So sonographers, back then sonographers did not understand what point of care ultrasound was. The perception was this threat to our income and this threat to mm. our profession that if you train the doctors, then we're not going to have a job anymore. And ironically... Yes, we train the doctors and it probably generates more work for yeah. them. And there's many studies that have proven that too. But back then, we'd go to conferences and people would come up and, you know, be talking so mad at us that you get spit on your face and it's like, what are you doing teaching these doctors? <laughs> it's like, actually, until you understand what they're doing, you can't actually have this discussion with me yeah. and I can't talk sense to you. And, and it came from a place of not really understanding because it yeah. had emerged. I mean, it was a confluence of things insofar as the technology was getting smaller and cheaper okay. and more available and accessible. And, and historically, you know, you were talking about sonographers using machines that were the size of a large fridge. And, and, that's, and when we started, uh, it was the emergence of laptop systems. Okay. And that gave access to a far wider cohort of users. Yeah, okay. So then over the years you've grown, but... Um you used to be called Ultrasound Training Solutions and you're now called Zidu. Um, so you've picked a unique word there, but there's a story behind that name change. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't take us too long to come up with a name. It was ironic and, you know, here's our colours and here's our logo. That process was all so organic and easy and we just thought Ultrasound Training Solutions, there's a good name, describes exactly what we do. Along the way, we'd had different organisations using that particular phrase. So we'd write a letter then say, hey, that's our business name. Yeah, taken. And, and then, <laughs> and taken, yeah. And then we had one of our competitors decided to just start using it. And then they registered several business names that were very similar to okay. ours and a website that was almost identical. Look, we had sought advice about, well, is there anything we can do? To we're a little advice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and we're a bit gun-shy of lawyers. But, uh, you know, so we had some advice. Well, you've been trading for a long time. Um, you could register the word mark. So we had a registered trademark that was 
our business name with the logo because the advice when we started was that, you know, you can't register the words because it is descriptive. But with 10, 11 years of trading behind us, you know, the legal advice was, well, you can actually claim that those words together mean more than just a, a phrase that they're now recognised as you as the business. So we just tried to register the word mark, which of course was objected to and caused this outfit to then go on the attack personally as well. Okay. Um, and so it got really ugly and, you know, one afternoon out of sheer frustration, I just thought, well, why don't we change our name, which is a big call. We've got you know, 11 years of brand association yeah, history, yeah. and, and you know, people knew who we were. And so, um, you know, I just was frustrated and went, well, why don't we change our name and get some really clever marketing that says, here's us with this nice new name um, so that you know you're getting the real deal and not an imitation. Yeah. And uh, that then became the economic solution. Okay. I mean, we could we could still on principle be fighting for the name absolutely but at some point you need to make an economic decision yeah yeah <laughs> and it became it became a more future proof solution and a way for us to like everyone in the industry has just got boring names yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we were trying to at the same time it provided an opportunity to be able to market and, our, and brand ourselves as different because what we thought that we had different was that we cared for the customers and we really understood point of care ultrasound and so we had a couple of problems all swirling together and this kind of solved it and future proofs okay. you know now we have a unique name because it's completely made up um, so, so this is a strategy that google and yahoo and uber all these guys have yeah. said let's come up with a word that's otherwise mostly meaningless uh, and then you can attach meaning mm. to it. Absolutely. And mm. so, so it, then it does make you unique. You, you really yeah. stick out because every ultrasound business in Australia has the word ultrasound in it. That's that's very <laughs> much the, very does. much a beige kind of playing field. Everything's a bit the same. Yeah. So in um, in making that decision, it, there's actually been a real silver lining to that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's just launched us on this amazing learning curve. So you know we had a. a a branding company come in to help us establish the new brand and we went through a process with them and then that just flushed out other problems. That process has been this evolution in how we market to our customers. You know, back in the old days, we could send out a flyer in, a, in an envelope and we could take those envelopes to the college and they would just put the the members' names on it and post it out on our behalf yep. and then they stopped doing it. And then we could put a flyer in a professional magazine and then the professional magazines have all gone online. Okay. And so our, our avenues for being able to market and, and reach our target audience were just narrowing down every day and we were figuring out how to get our message to our customers but also how to articulate our point of difference. And so a unique name is the starting point for that. So when you're going through these things and someone's taking a name and they're attacking you personally and it's awful, right? It's really, it's really not, not, not fun. You're losing sleep and it's stressful. The thing is, though, that often in those circumstances, you, you're, it forces you into a change and it's often 
like on the other side of it, you look back and you go, gee, that was a good change. I didn't enjoy the suffering bit, but maybe you wouldn't have come to it without that. Yeah, and, and retrospect's a great thing. I mean, we're sitting here now thinking we went through years of hell to get to this position now, and it's only just the start. Yeah, so more we've good gone, to come, yeah. Exactly, so we've gone from a position where, out of sheer desperation, we've grasped what we thought would work and backed ourselves to the hilt on it, believing that, yeah, we do what we do and we do it well, and people appreciate it, and they need it, yeah. Thinking back to you know our experiences again, that's really a driving motivation, um, and that comes from a place of genuineness. Yeah, right. So you go through that torment and that that horror and the sleeplessness and you know the lack of appetite, stress, and yeah. the kids the, the kids pick it up at home and yeah. and all all of those other side effects which become primary concerns sometimes. Yeah, but then you get to a position where you've got control of your own destiny, and I think from where we've been through, you can see in retrospect how that's evolved. But at the time, it's hell. Yeah, that's right. And then there are possibly people listening to this who are kind of in that dark place. And, and I guess it's good to, to take heart that uh, there's often good things on the other side. Yeah. And sometimes the difficult, the difficult things are just flushing that out, flushing out the things in the business that need to change. Well, and everything, everything happens for a reason. And it happens at the right time, and it, you know. And hindsight is great to be able to. You're much yeah. more confident <laughs> saying that. Um, but you know, things happen for a reason, even if you can't see it at the time. And you just got to believe about the little white light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, mm. <laughs> I think. I think too. Ju- during the process, you're trying to seek to understand why. And it's yeah. not until you can put it in a context with a little bit of distance that you can make sense of it yourself. Like at, at the time. Why is this happening? This this irrational motivation to cause chaos in an industry where we should all be working together. Mm. We're all here for the patient. That's right. Right. <laughs> and at the end of the day, all of this other stuff costs. It costs in. It costs families their businesses. It costs staff pay rises. It costs patient safety at the end of the day because doctors aren't able to access yep. education. And there's no reason for it. This, this petty rivalry mm. is unnecessary, whereas real competition, whether it be competition from outside or us internally driving each other along, that's where the real gems come from. Yeah, healthy, healthy competition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the healthy competition keeps you at the top of your game Absolutely. and it's necessary. It it's yep. necessary for the industry to succeed. And that sort of competition is great. We mm. love it. Bring but, it on. But, you know, this... <laughs> This other garbage is just such a waste of energy. I talk to business owners every day about their marketing and the consistent feedback is that they feel lost in the digital marketing world. Usually they've got someone to have a go at some SEO, Google ads or social media, but they often don't know what work is even being done and they can't see any results. This is where our team and I can help with our digital marketing playbook. Over the past 10 years, we've designed a process to help you achieve your business goals by speaking to the right people at the right time with the right message. We analyze your competitors, create the unique voice you should use in the marketplace, map out your customer's path to purchase, and then create expert search, social media, and nurture strategies to attract the right people to your business. This is all underpinned by our belief that the best digital marketing puts people first. If you need help to get your marketing on the straight and narrow, why not drop us a line at theonlineco.net 
You can have a quick chat to one of our team to see how we can best support you in growing your business. Now, 2019, um, the year before COVID was a, a challenging year for you guys as well. You're having a, a business divorce that year. Yeah, we seem to roll from one catastrophe to the next. And we've <laughs> said for many years, it'd be great to just get 12 months of clean air in our sails, you know. <laughs> but um, 2019, I remember September the 3rd, we'd some of it's because some of the factors in the industry were changing. Some of it's because we had just had incredible legal expenses with the fight for our business name and with the rebranding exercise. And then other external factors were playing that meant, you know, people just couldn't get time off work to come to courses. And so, you know, we found ourselves with our backs right up hard against the wall. And it's not a situation that we're unfamiliar with. It's happened at various times. And, and the frustrating things when it's circumstances outside of your control. Yeah. Um, you know, one time before it was a landlord who'd, who'd not bloody fixed the roof. And so the roof literally caved in and then we were out of our premises for like six weeks. And then you're, you're trying to keep the business going. So we'd been there before. Um, but in light of all that, you know, that morning I had been sitting there going, geez, the only way to make this viable right now is we need to move premise. Um, my mum called me that morning and said, I'm having heart surgery in 10 days. Yeah. Um, and then I asked my business, former business partner to, hey, can we go for a walk, just get outside the building? Because, oh, my God, all this big stuff is happening. And, and her response was... Oh, I want out of the business. And we were meeting with our accountant that afternoon to sort of have a crisis meeting about what we could do. We had this viable business, but as is the case in many businesses, you might have a viable business, but cash flow is king. Mm. And at that particular time, cash flow was, was beating us. And so we were having a crisis meeting with the accountant in the afternoon to figure out how do we get through this crisis. So it was a huge day and the ultimate thing was my former business partner wanted out. Um, and so as with, as with a marriage, um, when you have a divorce and we affectionately, if you like, call it the divorce, unfortunately our son thought it was us getting divorced oh, and no. didn't realise it was me and my business partner. So okay. it had massive repercussions at home. But, um, you know, as with a marriage divorce going through that process of separating your financials um you know you know if you're married and you divorce you go wow where you're in a place where well do we ever love each other and and you know going through a business divorce has all those same sorts of emotional yeah, lots of financial yeah. lots of similarities in separating that out to affect the divorce um so it was a you know, she, uh, she had said that to me on the Wednesday, I think. We had a conference the next day, a, a meeting the next day, a conference over the weekend, and on the Monday I was flying out to America um, because I'd been invited to speak at a conference over there. And so I'm at this conference that was professionally just amazing and I couldn't be in the moment because I was like, I just had the weight yeah, of the world right. on my shoulders. Your brain's um, churning away. You know, I was up at night running numbers, you know, and we 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 had to make a decision: do we back ourselves or not? And it's really hard in the moment to choose to back yourself. And I think 
if I look at it now, backing ourselves was more a situation of the alternative is worse. Mm. Yeah, okay. The alternative is worse. So um, we can't afford the alternative, so we just have to back ourselves. Um, Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and so we, you know, we had to back ourselves and, you know, good on us. We're here (laughs) and it's been... and, And, you know, COVID... COVID came along, that retrospectoscope, you know, things yeah. happen for a reason. Well, the the really important stuff that were the big decisions that were kind of not really active decisions that were forced on us because of the business divorce, those decisions were the crucial decisions in maintaining the viability of the business. And then COVID came along and for a lot of people that was drastic, but given the roller coaster we'd been on, it just felt like time to breathe and time for us to be able to focus on the business and developing the business and figuring out where the heck we were at, you know, for the boat to stop rocking so violently and to be able to just steady the ship and figure out, well, what's the plan going forward? So so both of you guys were now directors and you kind of had control yourselves. Would that have made uh, COVID much more challenging if your business partner had been there because... Is that there's the third voice and it's more complicated making decisions mm. and mm. I think there's a simplicity in being able to look across the table and make a decision. Yeah, dinner time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hey, mean, should we, we do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and often like we, we try we try not to take work home, but inevitably it does creep in. But I think with respect to simplicity and backing ourselves and making those decisions quickly, and I think. It's given us that nimbleness that we otherwise would have struggled to have achieved. Which is so crucial through through COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slow decisions are, are disastrous. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what happened in COVID. <laughs> well, we'd only just recovered from the bushfires because our house had been under ember attack oh, only okay. a couple of months earlier. Wow. So we thought, okay, we could clean the garden up maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I was thinking, geez, if we get to the end of this and had, haven't had a chance to do the baking and cleaning out the cupboard and the gardens, we're going to be working our backsides off to, to be able to service the lease and all the rest of it that if the business failed, it was like... Oh, I'd be so cheated that I didn't get to do the garden and stuff. So <laughs> we just held on tight, you know. Um, we we made a decision during the first lockdown. Everyone kept talking about a pivot, and I'm sure there are listeners who just hate that word. People just are as, sick of the word, yeah. <laughs> hate that word as much as I do. But trying to pivot education is like trying to turn the Titanic on a dime. When you're doing education material in person, the way you can add lib and you can – we've got – you know, a short lecture and then we have a practical session. And so much of the teaching is in that practical session. Trying to capture all that as an online thing is just not possible. We kind of explain it to people. It's like trying to learn how to drive a car and all you're doing is watching YouTube videos. Yeah. No one would want you to be on the road, (laughs) right? And it's the same thing for ultrasound. You have to actually have the probe in your hand to learn how to do it. It looks really easy just rubbing that across the tummy, but there's such a high level of psychomotor skill involved in getting the pictures and then how to interpret the pictures that is not something that you can 100% learn online. And whilst that can supplement your learning, it's not a replacement. And so the first lockdown, we made a very conscious decision to not go online. We were trying to get, as part of that rebrand, we realised, you know, the new world of marketing and digital marketing, our, our old website couldn't cope. So we needed a new website that we could do all the fancy new stuff with. So we spent that 
first lockdown, just consolidating business procedures, figuring out where the heck we were now that we're divorced essentially and it's a new partnership and getting the website up to speed. And so the website launched on June the 3rd and I don't think we transacted a dime on that website until about November. Like we had absolutely no income. Right, so, so just for context, you're in Victoria, which was in lockdown, was it nine months? Uh, 229 days we were closed for. So And you couldn't trade for couldn't all of trade. that time. Yeah. So the first lockdown we sort of consolidated. The second lockdown we're like, holy heck, this is going to keep going on for how long? Like this is, We're just going to have cycles of this. We have to do something. We, and again, then we started thinking, well, we'll get some online modules. No, they're not going to replace, but people are receptive to that now. We also used the opportunity to um, provide support to the medical fraternity globally so we we could leverage our website to um, provide access to the most recent medical texts on COVID and the use of ultrasound in those contexts so that proved to be um, really well supported and I think appreciated internationally because no one else had the time or wherewithal to do it because people were dying and we could provide that level of support so uh, it wasn't generating income but it was something that we could do to contribute where we could. There was new information coming out about COVID every day every single day whether it be how to clean your equipment what are the procedures you use to keep things clean and to stop the risk of transmission just because you're using an ultrasound machine Mm. so we were um, curating for want of a better word daily Mm. the new advances in what was happening on an ultrasound front in COVID yeah there were hundreds hundreds there was videos people were putting up clips of what they were doing to to keep um, the equipment clean protocols were being developed on the fly so it was all a learning process for everybody at the time and looking back you you forget how how manic it was (laughs) and and to see to see it actually having gone through that process and now you know there's globally recognized protocols for point of care ultrasound in, in, in the COVID situation it's, it's just phenomenal. We're just this little business in Australia right and you so I was invited to speak at a conference remotely to New York um, unfortunately anyway <laughs> um, that I, it was only a few weeks ago and you know I, I agreed because who was on the panel I thought wow that's that's some stage to be on the same stage with these people um, but then I felt like a fraud because I was the only non-medically qualified person. <laughs> and um, and I'm like, gosh, you guys are going to be talking about all this. I don't know that I can really add anything to this conversation. And they were like, hang on there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Remember you did this, this, this right. and this. And, and I, it was amazing because I got this opportunity to see how what we were just doing something, right? And I got this opportunity to see how the international community had actually appreciated that and okay. and mm. you know so you're able to output helpful things to your industry yeah. you weren't earning yeah. money yeah uh, but you're increasing your authority in the industry and and the brand hopefully yeah. it's funny though because it happens on twitter and the aussies don't go on <laughs> twitter as much you know <laughs> so let me just summarize uh you had a an issue with a competitor stealing your names you had to rebrand then you had a business divorce then your house nearly got burnt down in the 2019-20 fires. Then you had COVID and you didn't trade for nine months. Wow. Uh, how'd you get through? So, Anne, you want <laughs> to answer you that? Just, you just head down, bum up. Yeah, You'd, she's a toughie. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's the rock, really. You're not too you, bad yourself. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just head down, bum up. I think... I think 
that belief that, look, I think learning is a social thing. So there's been some interesting conversations along the way. Oh, does this mean conferences are going to be kiboshed? And are we, are we superfluous as a face-to-face training organisation because we can do it online now? And it's like, hell no. <laughs> you, you, you still need to have a probe in your hand to do it. And we, right. just, had to, yeah. we just had to survive the COVID period. Um, and, and, the, and the feedback was that as well. Is, yeah. You know, there are other ways and means to learn ultrasound online, but at every juncture, people were saying, we need to get our hands on the probes. We need to be able to use it. And and it doesn't it doesn't suffice to watch it. No. So it's no, just, that's just work hard. Sense. Just keep yourself... Ironically, I don't think we've worked harder. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were so busy during COVID mm. and it's it's been a blessing in disguise for being able to... You know, we've regenerated material, we've focused on, you know, new marketing opportunities, we've focused on developing the new website and setting ourselves Mm. up for this period that's coming. So I think it's really exciting. And and we can't forget too that we've got really well-established relationships with with equipment providers as well. Um, So there was support on that front. Um, So we we knew that if we came out the other side in one piece that we would have the support of not just our customers, but new customers and, and the industry. So I'd, I'd really like to hear the good news at the end of the troubles. Can you, can you tell us how things are now? Look, I think that, you know, we've refreshed so much material. We've, we're poised, ready to grow. We're still seeing the border restrictions being a bit random and no unified way of dealing with any outbreaks that still makes people twitchy. And a lot of our business comes from interstate. So we're still seeing that our um, revenue from courses and stuff is still significantly down. But the costs are down as well um, because we've moved location and, you know, we're set up, ready to go. And uh, I don't think that we would have been in the same place without that lockdown period. absolutely not. So, um, you know, we've had lots of team training. Yep. Um, you you've know, turned the ship around uh, yeah. and you're ready ready for serious growth. Well, and it feels like it's stable now instead of rocking violently. Mm. And <laughs> I think we've gone from the, the Titanic to a jet boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good analogy. Yeah. And what's your, what's your marketing plans? So we're in the process with the online co of um, setting up all our strategy because the... You know, when we changed to the new name, that had to happen overnight because of the hostile situation that we were in. So we didn't get the benefit of, you know, bringing our customers along with us for the ride. It was we went to bed one night as ultrasound training solutions and woke up as Zedu. Um, And gosh, that was a scary day because we still Mm. had, we couldn't even register the business name before. Everything has already done. We had to wake up and do everything on one day. So... You know, we've got it. We're still finding that we need to get brand awareness out there because people are like, "Oh, is it the Melbourne mob or the other mob?" You know, <laughs> um, and so, you know, when the website changed, the rankings and the SEO didn't come across. So we're working with Online Co in dealing with that and setting the website up, optimizing it for yeah. um, marketing Google, approaches yeah. and stuff, and Google AdWords <clears throat> and things like that. So we're, as I mentioned, the whole way we advertise has had to completely change. The methods that used to work just don't anymore. And so we're finding our feet in this new world. You know, without some of those drastic things happening before, we wouldn't be in this position now. 
And I remember saying to the people involved, you know, a really tough sword first has to pass through fire and, mm. and you've just put us through fire, so look out. Um, <laughs> Here comes they do. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as some of the issues that we've talked about are quite sensitive, we're not where we are without that experience. Yeah. And, and that shapes who we are as a business right now and, and where we are placed to move forward. You know, hindsight's great, but it's, yeah. it's all been for a purpose. Well, I'm sure lots of the listeners will find your story very encouraging um, to know that off the back of uh, tr- troubled times that, that good things can come. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing your story and your wisdom. Thanks, James. Thanks, it's been James. fun. That was Sue Ann Pascoe and Michael Duncan, and you can find out more about their business at ultrasoundtraining.com.au or I'd suggest just typing ZEDU into Google, Z-E-D-U. So, Jess... Um, can you help the listeners understand what Zedu have done to really identify their customer so they know and understand them well and then target them across multiple different channels? Yeah, so first first thing they've done is they've done a playbook process with yep. us. Yep. Uh, and part of that playbook process is we do a deep dive on the customer story. Yeah. And we look at the different customers they have and exactly who they are and we build a story around them a day in the life of that person building that story is what really helps you understand who your customer is we can all do a a persona you know male female this age Mm. married that type of thing we can all we can all do that sort of stuff but what you want to do is take that a step further and build out a real story so when you understand the story that gives you a lot of insights into knowing how to market to them so as we said, we've done this through our playbook process with Mike and Sue Ann. And what that did was then identify to us what were the best platforms and ways in which we should market to people. Sue Ann mentioned her Twitter profile. So Sue Ann's Twitter profile and following is huge, but it's all with her US-based customers. Yeah. None of her Australian ones. Yeah. And it's because that particular platform just does not work well, yeah, it's particularly no with that target yeah. market in Australia. Yeah. And so there would be no point for us marketing to, to her target markets through there. So what we've done is identify those different markets on LinkedIn. We found them on Facebook. We found them through Facebook advertising, Google ads and SEO. And we're marketing to them through there. Yep. So multiple channels. Multiple channels, different messages to those different target markets at the right time. Yeah. One thing that I love though that Mike and Sue Ann have done is they've chosen to really stand out in their industry. Mm. And like I... I want, I want you to share your story, James, <laughs> your chili in the potato soup story, because I think that's just so relevant to, it's, to them it's more here. more of an analogy, but um, I think when you look at an industry, be it a trade or the legal industry or any industry, what, what, if, you, if you go and look at 10 websites, they, they all look the same. There's this kind of beigeness to them, mm-hmm. and I call them the potato soup. Yeah, there's this big bowl full of white lumps. And <laughs> And, and they all look the same. And so as a customer, there's nothing really attracting you to any of them. Mm. You just kind of choose And we, can't, choose we see one. this in the playbook process all the time and, and, we, and over, we saw and it with Mike and Sue Ann. Yeah. What Zito have done is like chucking a piece of chilli in that potato soup. All of a sudden there's a splash of red. Yeah. It's spicy. It looks and tastes different. And people will go, yes, I want that. Drawn people to will, it. People will also say, no, I don't want that. Mm. 
But you've made a really clear decision. You start getting the people you want opting in and buying from you. And trust me, you do not miss out. You get more customers than you lose. That's right, yeah. Because you're losing them anyway because you're so boring. Yeah. <laughs> now, Zidu, um, they have firstly the name Zidu. <laughs> yeah. Anything ultrasound, like you type in ultrasound into Google and have a look. They're all ultrasound for women, ultrasound yeah. locations, like it's ultrasound, ultrasound, ultrasound. Yeah. So they chuck the word ultrasound out. Like it's, 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 it's like Nike. What's Nike? What's Google? Like right. what well, what's Zidu? Yeah, what's Zidu? Well, Zidu is ultrasound training. Yeah. You know? So they've really um, established who they are. Then you tend to get a kind of therapeutic, very soft colours, caring sort of niceness. And what, what Zidu have done... Um, is they've just they've gone with blue, pink, purple, vibrant. They've got some colors. great colors, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and they and they haven't lost that care. They're just saying, hey, we're we're a bit more fun and interesting. We're a bit more engaging. It's it's almost like they've added a real level of authenticity. Yeah. So I'm sure other people in the industry are authentic in what they do, but they don't show it. No. Whereas Z do, they do. Yeah. Like yeah. They really show it. Yeah, they've the, done particularly through their website. They've done really well. Mm. This episode of Getting to the Heart of Business was brought to you by The Online Co, produced by Claire Bruce, music by Harry Parnwell. You can find us at theonlineco.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone right now. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and we'd love you to join the conversation on Facebook in our group called Getting to the Heart of Business Community. Mm.